0: I was around 12 years old when I attended my first Pride March. I tagged along with my mother because a friend of hers canceled on her, and I had conveniently come out as bisexual to her a couple months earlier.
1: When we talk about the gay window, talk about this gay consciousness, speak to young gay people and talk to them directly. They look right at you and say, yeah, this is perfectly true, and I never thought about it before until this moment. So in effect, what we have been doing is talking to gay people and telling them to recognize what they know.
2: to This Way Out, the international LGBTQ radio magazine. I'm Greg Gordon. Jerusalem pride defies death threats, a U.S. teen grows up with pride on parade, and trail-raising activists Hay and Kepner look through the gay window. Those stories and more this week now that you've discovered This Way Out.
3: I'm Lucia Chappelle. And I'm David Hunt. With News Wrap, a summary of some of the news in or affecting LGBTQ communities around the world for the week ending June 4th, 2022. More than 7,000 LGBTQ people and their allies defied death threats to celebrate Pride in Jerusalem on June 2nd. It's the 20th year for the colorful parade from Liberty Bell Park to a boisterous rally in Independence Park. Death threats against the march and its organizers have become almost routine, but this time supportive Israeli lawmakers were also specifically targeted. Police arrested 10 people in Jerusalem suspected of planning to attack the march. Mickey Levy became the first speaker of the Knesset to address a post-parade pride rally saying that he was shocked to the depths of his soul over the threats of violence, according to the Times of Israel. The leader of Israel's parliament told the crowd, So I came today to stand against this evil specter. You are entitled to love who you want. You are entitled to marry who you love. You are entitled to raise a family like anyone else. These are not privileges. These are basic rights for every citizen in the country. Despite Levy's cheerleading, civil marriage is not a basic right for anyone in Israel, regardless of sexual orientation. Marriages there can only be conducted and registered by religious authorities. Social Equality Minister Marev Cohen and Public Security Minister Omer Barley joined Levy in the march. Barley called the parade a victory of light over darkness, a victory of sanity over extremism. Tel Aviv hosts the country's largest pride celebration in the coming week. Right-wing U.S. Senator Marco
4: Rubio of Florida had his axe to grind against a pride celebration this week. Along with a few other anti-queer lawmakers, he forced the cancellation of a drag queen story time, scheduled to launch the season for a library at the Ramstein, Germany, U.S. Air Force base. Rubio absurdly claimed in a letter to Air Force Secretary Frank Kendall that the event would be a gross abuse of taxpayer funding to place children in a sexualized environment. Military officials have issued inconsistent explanations for the cancellation. One claims that a more inclusive event is in the works.
3: Meanwhile, Pride was celebrated for the first time on May 25th on South Africa's Robben Island, located just north of Cape Town, The island is known as the place where anti-apartheid hero Nelson Mandela spent 18 of his 27 years in prison. The National Queer Advocacy Group, The Other Foundation, organized the event. Activists marched from Murray's Harbor to the flagpoles near the entrance of the former prison where the rainbow flag was raised. Organizers hope that the celebration will become an annual event. As the nation's first post-apartheid president, Mandela helped push for anti-bias protections for lesbians and gays in the rewritten South African Constitution, thanks to the lobbying of some of his gay colleagues. Moving to the west of Africa, three people
4: were arrested in Senegal this week following the mob attack on a U.S. entertainer who was mistaken for gay. Apparently, he was just dressed too flamboyantly for Dakar. The unidentified visiting musician can be seen on videos posted to YouTube and TikTok, bloodied, barefoot, and stripped to his boxer shorts. Several dozen men are slapping him about the head and torso as he's paraded down the street to the sounds of anti-queer chants, like, let's kill him before the police arrive, and he does not deserve to live. All of his belongings were stolen. The assault happened on the International Day Against Homophobia, Biphobia, intersex phobia and transphobia. A popular Senegalese football player publicly refused to wear a rainbow-colored uniform in observance of the day at a French league match. That may have contributed to the mob violence. A rally was held on May 22nd in Dakar featuring speakers railing against LGBTQ rights. The three arrests came a day later. Senegal's president, Mackie Saul, has repeatedly expressed opposition to repealing the nation's antiquated laws criminalizing same-gender sex. Offenders can be punished with up to five years in prison. Global surveys measuring how welcoming and safe a country is for queer tourists rank Senegal near the bottom.
3: Newly elected Australian Prime Minister Anthony Albanese this week secured enough seats in parliament to form a Labour Party-majority government. In the ouster of the right-wing coalition government of the Liberal Party's Scott Morrison, Labour has won 76 seats for a majority in the House of Representatives. Two additional House seats remain too close to call. It's a different story in the Senate, where Albanese will need a few cross-bench votes. However, queer activists have an optimistic outlook for a reasonably progressive legislative agenda. As Albanese's pick for foreign minister, lesbian Senator Penny Wong is among a record number of women in the new Albanese cabinet, 10 out of 23 positions. She's now one of the world's most powerful government officials. Three of four queer Liberal Party lawmakers lost their re-election bids, but eight out lawmakers succeeded. They're among what's being called the most diverse parliament in Australian history. Joining Penny Wong in the Senate are Labor's Louise Pratt, the Green Party's Nita Green and Janet Rice, and the Liberal Party's Dina Smith. Seats in the House are ready for Labor's Julian Hill, the Green Party's Stephen Bates, and the Liberal Party's Angie Bell.
4: Finally, irrational U.S. transphobia has moved from the fringes to mainstream Republican politics. Results of a survey released this week by the Southern Poverty Law Center echo the gays-want-to-recruit-your-children claims of yesteryear. Close to seven in ten Republican respondents said they believe that transgender adults and gender ideology pose a threat to children and to society in general. The venerable anti-racism group finds that this thinking has accompanied the rise of white Christian nationalism and the belief that non-white people are replacing the country's white Christian majority. Hundreds of anti-trans laws introduced in just the first five months of this year by Republican-dominated state legislatures may just be the tip of the hateful iceberg.
3: Oft-misspoken Arizona Congressman Paul Gosar falsely claimed on Twitter that the mass murderer in Uvalde, Texas was a transgender leftist illegal alien. The shooter was a U.S. citizen and was not trans. Gosar eventually deleted his tweet. He's actually expected to win re-election easily in November.
4: You also might remember another far-right Republican talking trans trash at one of ex-President Trump's recent Save America rallies about Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg.
3: vehicles and his bicycles, and he and his husband can stay out of our girls' bathrooms. Yep.
4: Yeah. That's Georgia Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, who won election and media stardom with an anti-mask, anti-vax, QAnon conspiracy, beware of the Jewish space lasers platform. Greene amplified Goser's off-the-rails anti-trans comments in a Facebook Live video this week, featuring her own lying racist rant about the Uvalde killer
5: was Hispanic, um, clearly had a lot of mental issues going on, as was shown with him wearing eyeliner, cross-dressing, a lot of his language, being a loner. We're still learning a lot more about him.
4: Green's May 29th diatribe seems to say that LGBTQ recruitment efforts over the years are finally starting to pay off. Listen to her latest conspiracy theory.
5: They just want you to think that all of a sudden the entire population uh, is steadily turning gay or turning trans. Just generation, generation, probably in about four or five generations, no one will be straight anymore. Everyone will be either gay or trans or non-conforming or whatever the list of 50 or 60 different options there are.
4: Marjorie Taylor Greene's favorite president tossed out a bizarre comment of his own at a May 27th Save America rally in Wyoming. We will defend parents' rights. No teacher should ever be allowed to teach transgender to our children without parental consent.
3: Can you imagine?
4: No, Donald, we sure cannot.
3: That's News Wrap Global Queer News with Attitude for the week ending June 4th, 2022. Follow the news in your area and around the world. An informed community is a strong community.
4: News Wrap is written by Greg Gordon, edited by Lucia Chappelle, produced by Brian DeShazer, and brought to you by you.
3: Thank you. Help keep us in ears around the world at thiswayout.org where you can also read the text of this newscast and much more. And you can read the transcript and listen to News each week by subscribing
4: to our This Way Out radio channel on YouTube. For This Way Out, I'm David Hunt, stay healthy.
3: And I'm Lucia Chappelle. stay safe. This Way Out is supported in part
2: by
5: contributions from our listeners.
3: Some give a little each month, some make a larger annual contribution.
2: More information and a link to give or online at thiswayout.org. Thank
4: you.
1: We are people who have been thrown up generation after generation throughout the millennia by the forces of natural selection. And through that, we are able to act as a mirror to see certain things that the Straits can't possibly see.
2: Such as? Two movement icons talk about the such as later in the program. But first. (laughs) Pride can take some practice. As the festival season hits full swing in the U.S., Outcasting Overtime queer youth broadcaster Shoshana is heading for New York City with a few parades and some helpful lessons already under her belt.
0: This is Outcasting Overtime for Media for the Public Good, creator of Public Radio's LGBTQ youth programs. Hi, I'm Shoshana, an Outcasting youth broadcaster. I was around 12 years old when I attended my first Pride March. I tagged along with my mother because a friend of hers canceled on her, and I had conveniently come out as bisexual to her a couple months earlier. The first couple of marches I attended, my mom and I were actually in it. In those early marches, I tended to make mistakes. For my first parade, I tried to incorporate the colors of the bisexual flag into my eye makeup, but I definitely overestimated my skills as a makeup artist, because instead of the sunset-inspired look that I was going for, I ended up looking like I had two fresh black eyes. The outfit I wore for my second parade consisted of a blindingly neon rainbow t-shirt, a pair of rainbow basketball shorts that I bought in the pride section at Target, and a pair of bedazzled Converse sneakers, which I didn't think to break in beforehand. Those shoes obviously ended up being a huge mistake because I wound up walking the last half of the parade in my Sesame Street socks. In the months following my first parade, I had begun to hear people label it as a march. As I've gotten older. I've learned more about the events that caused Pride to exist in the first place. When I was around 13 or 14, I learned that the Pride Parade isn't even a parade at all, but a Pride March that commemorates protests and riots that were started by ordinary people just like you and me. I don't think I understood what empowerment meant until I learned about Stonewall, the 1969 uprising that catalyzed the modern gay rights movement. It was a spontaneous revolution from regular people who were fed up with the way that they were being treated. They just wanted to exist authentically. Today, we take it for granted that same-sex couples can hold hands in public, but back then, doing something that simple could be dangerous. When I came out as bi to my mom when I was 11, I knew practically nothing about any other different sexual identities. I lied to myself in order to stay aligned with my narrow view of what I thought my sexuality had to be. Recently. I've been the most loose I've ever been about my identity, but I've also never felt more secure. I tend to say that I'm queer or that I go with the flow. I don't particularly care about how my sexuality is perceived by others. I know that I feel comfortable in my identity as a queer person and making myself palatable to the straight people around me is something that I am not interested in doing. I've been raised with the mindset that my queerness is valid and that lets me be open to questioning my sexuality throughout my life without much shame or judgment. I realize now that I don't have to simplify myself in order to make other people feel comfortable. There are too few spaces where LGBTQ individuals can feel truly authentic. And for me, the Pride March is somewhere that I've always felt I can be authentically myself, no matter how much I evolve and change throughout the years that I attend. Now I'm 17 and I can definitely enjoy the parade even more because of what I've learned about myself and the LGBTQ equality movement over the past few years. Even though I'm still literally a child, going into my last parade at 14 years old compared to 17 years old feels drastically different. Pride wasn't even happening over the last two years because of the pandemic, so this year will probably take some time to get used to. It'll be my first march that I'll be attending with my friends instead of my mom. I do have my fair share of social anxiety, but the way that I'm able to navigate myself through queer spaces is an ability that I'm extremely grateful to have. Thanks for listening to Outcasting Overtime from Outcasting Media, creator of Public Radio's LGBTQ youth programs. Outcasting Media is a production of Media for the Public Good, based in New York. Our executive producer is Mark Sophus. Visit us at outcastingmedia.org to get information about Outcasting, watch Outcasting videos, access our social media links, and listen to Outcasting and related content. You can also find Outcasting wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Shoshana. Thanks and thanks for listening.
2: Navigating through the queer spaces of pride may be more difficult for the old hands than it is for relative newbies like Outcaster Shoshana. One of the divisive issues impacting this year's plans in New York and other cities around the world has been the participation of uniformed police officers in the parades. San Francisco Mayor London Breed is refusing to march without them. New York City Mayor Eric Adams' office has condemned the anti-uniform policy, but has not said whether he'll march.
0: I'm a little tired of the weary throwaway line that there is no such thing as the gay sensibility. Of course there is such a thing as the gay sensibility. Of course gay men and women think in some fundamental ways differently from straights. It is not just about what we do in bad. It is about the echoes in the culture of who we are or who we aren't. Hi, I'm Clive Barker. Listen to This Way Out.
3: Open a new window, open a new door, travel a new highway that's never been tried before, before you find you're a dull fellow, punching the same clock, walking the same tight rope as everyone on the block.
2: Years before closet doors started bursting open en masse, pioneering activists like Harry Hay and Jim Kepner were rattling the doors and windows of what would become a new queer consciousness. Hay had been a founder of the Mattachine Society in 1950. Kepner was a journalist and avid collector who founded the International Gay and Lesbian Archives. This 1975 conversation may sound dated today with its white, male, and gender binary assumptions about what it means to be what they call gay but it does give us a window into the early development of radical LGBTQ thought. What do you see as our priorities now?
1: I would say that our real work now is to begin to establish the gay vision and begin to show that the gay vision is something that has within itself an enormous contribution to make to the parent society. We are people who have been thrown up generation after generation throughout the millennia by the forces of natural selection. And through that, we are able to do certain things. We are able to act as a mirror to see certain things that the straights can't possibly see. Such as? Well, among other things, we have ourselves played this role. Most of us, I mean, any of us who are, say, past 40, have probably had the experience of being what is known as the office queen. And the office queen is usually a person to whom everybody seems... To have some reason for wanting to tell secrets to, so in in effect we become people who explain the men to the women and the women to the men. Now realizing that we ourselves, by the time we were fifteen, had to learn to see the way the straights see in the world, or we would probably have been beat to death. You know, we could, wouldn't have been able to get through junior high school. But we have our own gay window, and to the extent that we begin to appreciate and become conscious of the fact that we have our own window on the world, our own value judgments. We are generally non-competitive, non-aggressive people. We learn very, we very early find that we want to cooperate with people at a point when that hasn't been explained to you yet and where that's not where the kids are at all. The straights take their aggressive competition as a matter of course. If we're gonna play in that peer game, we have to learn it and we have to learn it very hard because it's very difficult for us to do, which means among other things, we. Have have to learn to copy the straights. We not only copy the boys, but we copy how the boys do it so we know that when the girls react to us, they react to us in a way so that they're not going to get wise to the fact that we're different, and the rest of the boys aren't going to notice that we're any different too. So we learn how to do these things. And therefore, once we realize that we can see through their window and our own gay window, we can actually have a triangular vision. We would not keep reappearing under the laws of natural selection over the millennia if we didn't in some way favor survival. And now I'm suggesting that if that is the case, that we begin to use it consciously and begin to act in, re- in, a, in a responsible way to the spiritual survival of our family, namely homo sapiens. Mm-hmm. In other words, to begin to talk subjectively rather than simply objectively. When we talk about the gay window, mention the gay window, talk about this gay consciousness, speak to young gay people and talk to them directly. They look right at you and say, oh, this is perfectly true, and I never thought about it before until this moment. So that in effect, what we have been doing is talking to gay people and saying, telling them uh, to recognize what they know. They will say that we're helping them to know what they know or calling them to understand what they know because they may never have understood it before, but the moment that we mention it, to them. They sort of reach out as though they were kind of pulling words out of your mouth, and we just go right on from there, and we know exactly what we're talking
5: about. You mentioned the other day the interpretation of a uh, major Shakespeare sonnet, which has the gay implication. When first
1: your eye, eye eyed. Mm-hmm. Now, we have to recognize that the moment that any gay person reads that line, we know exactly what he's talking about because we've been going around eyeballing, eyeballing people. This is, this is our way of recognizing each other, whether we're in Japan or New Zealand or what's the other place there that I used to love so much? Um, Herzegovina. Uh, or Bosnia the United and
5: Herzegovina.
1: States. Yeah, well, I, I don't know about Bosnia, but Herzegovina, you know. If I eyeball an, another eyeball, I know what he's talking about, he knows what I'm
5: talking about. Significant um, that a fairy wrote the story of the ugly duckling. <laughs> yes. Very
1: important, I think. And one, I mean, after all, he, was an u- he certainly was an ugly duckling himself.
5: Much of what you're saying uh, goes around the frequent and troublesome question of whether we're aiming at separatism or at integration?
1: Uh, We have to be separatists to a certain extent, to the extent that we're going to discover who we are, begin to appreciate who we are, begin to learn to exercise these differences in ourselves. We are going to be separatists, yes. Uh, in the same way that the black people have done the same, the Chicano people have done the same. We draw together. And let's also face the fact that we know, as uh, Hirschfeld put it many, many years ago, that first of all, gays are good for each other. We used to think of ourselves as a, as a brotherhood. I now prefer much prefer a family, because in a family there is a sense of giving space to the other members, taking responsibility that they have this spiritual space that they can, we can all grow together in the way that we would like to grow. We know as gays that straights invade us. They invade us constantly. We need to refresh and renew ourselves, and we do that best with ourselves, with each other, in the family. We then, I think we want, as I think all the minorities want, we want unity and diversity. In other words, we want to be a part of a total community. We want to give and contribute to the total community, but we'd like to give it from ourselves, Mm -hmm. and we would like, to some extent, to give it on our terms, too.
5: You mention unity and diversity. When you say that gays look out through a certain type of window, are you saying that all gays are alike? This is a thing that bugs some people. No.
1: No, no. I don't think so. The window is a wide spectrum. We have to recognize that our, our the gay window overlaps the straight window. The straight window lets goes, let's say, 10 degrees to the left, and the gay window goes 10 degrees to the right. And then there's an overlap in the middle where we both see through. And uh, into that gay window, there are probably uh, there are as many slots as there are gay people, really, Jimmy.
5: Do you see the gay movement as having any relation? Do we have any interest in other group, ethnic uh, minorities in uh, women's rights, in peace, ecology?
1: Of course we do. I mean, when you come right down to it, the fact that we're tossed out of the nest early, the fact that we smell wrong to our fathers by the time we're three and four in the great many cases. You know, this old business about... It's because Papa treated you wrong at four. I don't think it ever occurs to our psychologists that maybe we smelled wrong at four, and Pa was reacting to, that, to the ugly duckling and not to the nice little white ones that ought to be doing this and that. Well, anyway, the fact that we have been out of it uh, uh, very early means that a great many of us have been examining what we call the unexamined assumptions of the total society an awfully long time and finding them wanting... And then beginning to say, no, you know, I wish I could tell them that all they have to do is stretch a little bit to the right or a little bit to the left, and they would have a much more whole thing than they have, and that would include me. And I want to be, I want to be included. I don't want to be separate. I think that in a way, uh, much of the oppression of all of the third world people, all of the minorities, is equally true for us. And because it's true for us, we should be joined with all of them.
5: And you would see then that the chief goal of the gay movement is along social, spiritual lines rather than just law reform and claiming our seat on the bus.
1: (laughs) Exactly. We don't belong in the nest. We don't belong inside the ghetto. And certainly the gay ghetto is as deadening and as uh, sucking in on people as any other ghetto is. I think that we... We belong on, in the avant-garde. We belong out at the forefront of living. We are, we are people because of our uh, of the light baggage that we carry, socially speaking, that we are in a position to try out all kinds of experiments uh, for the whole society to take a look at and to reject or accept or accept in pieces they choose. And I think that we are in a position to do just that. After all, we're fairies, for heaven's sakes
3: simply travel a new highway dance to a new rhythm open a
0: new window every day.
2: you've been listening to pioneering activists harry hay and jim Kepner recorded in 1975. four years later hay helped organize the first radical fairies spiritual conference Kepner's International Gay and Lesbian Archives merged with the One Archives at the University of Southern California upon his death in 1997. Hay died in 2002. Thanks for choosing This Way Out, brought to you by the nonprofit Overnight Productions. Some program material this week came from Lucia Chappelle and David Hunt, produced by Brian DeShazer, and from outcaster Shoshana, produced by Mark Sopis. Angela Lansbury performed some of the music you heard, and Kim Wilson composed and performed our theme music. This way, our thanks to Kicking Assets Fund of the Tides Foundation, the Yavana Foundation, a request from Christopher David Trentham and donors Judd Proctor and Brian Burns, and Richard Merck and Brad Payton of Silicon Valley. Listener donors make this program possible. Thank you. Look for This Way Out Radio on social media. Email info at thiswayout.org or write to us at P.O. Box 1065, Los Angeles, California, 90078USA. I'm Greg Gordon. We thank you for listening online at ThisWayOut.org and on 2MTM, New South Wales, WHYS, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, KAOS, Olympia, Washington, and a wide array of community terrestrial and internet radio stations around the world, including this one. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay tuned.